All right, Father, Lord, thank you so much. Once again, as we, Lord, have been ushered into your presence through worship, and we thank you for uh, the words, and Father, Lord, how they have ministered to our hearts, and Lord, to preparing our hearts to receive your written word. And Father, we're so thankful that we have the freedom, and Lord, uh, the, the privilege and honor to, to gather together and uh, to worship, to love one another, Lord, to love you and to feel your love upon us. Father, I pray, Lord, this morning that you would speak to our hearts and that we would be well-equipped to know who your Son is. Uh, we love you, we, we praise you, and Lord, I decrease that you would increase unto myself. Of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind be of you and not of me. For we praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible or Bible app, uh, turn to 1 John uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 12 is today's text. 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. We're now in part 14 uh, of our series, Authentic. Say authentic. And always, you guys know this, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was verses 1 through five, and I gave you two points. And the first one was faith and regeneration. Say that. Faith and regeneration. And that's in verses one through three of chapter five. And we know that regeneration is a biblical or theological term for the new birth, uh, also born again, born of God. In other words, that which was spiritually dead now comes alive. And then John says, everyone who believes, they believes, in other words, completely entrusting, it means a total commitment, it is also in the present tense, means daily, ongoing, continual belief that Jesus is the Christ. A definite article, right? He is the only Christ, right? Amen? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the only Christ, and he says this, is born of God. And so the idea that John is expressing here is that the way you can tell who has been born of God uh, is the one who is continually and presently believing that Jesus is the Christ. Now, I want to re remind you that John, as we learned this last week, gives five evidences, right, of the new birth. And the first evidence of the new birth is faith in Christ. Say that. Then John goes on to say, if we're born again, if we're regenerated Born of God, then we will love God, which is the second evidence of the new birth. It's a love for God. It's a love for God that spills over into love for other believers. And because we love God, the Father, we love what the Father loves. And the Father loves his children. Amen? And you see there, there will be a supernatural love, agapeo, agape, uh, God's divine love placed in us uh, that fills us with compassion and fills us with concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So the third evidence of the new birth is love for our fellow believers. But John's not done yet. Say, he's not done yet. And he gives more evidence of the new birth in verses 2 and 3. He says that loving God and loving our fellow believers, I love this now. Listen to what he says, what, it's, what it's, it's referring to here. It's all tied up with the concept of obedience. Say obedience. There's a lifestyle of obedience to the word of God. That true, authentic believers will be characterized by the desire, by an ongoing, habitual lifestyle of keeping, of following, of obeying God's word. And that following, obeying God's word is not burdensome. 
Because doing what God says to do is the very thing that we as believers love to do. Yeah? The new nature takes delight in adhering to the word of God. The fourth evidence of the new birth is what? Obeying God's word. The second point of last week's text was concern, excuse me, conquering faith. Say that. Conquering faith. And that's in verses 4 and 5. And, and John says, For everyone born of God, in other words, the one who has been made a new creation in Christ, the one who has a love for God and a love for his people and a love to obey his word, what? Overcomes the world. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And, and the, the world Referring to what? The evil world system. Right on. Now remember, the word overcomes is in the present tense, which means consistently overcomes. It's an ongoing habitual lifestyle that marks the course of our lives. We are overcomers. Say that. We're overcomers. We, we live triumphantly over this evil world system. And then John says, this is the victory, say victory, that has overcome the world, even our Faith, it's the new birth, our faith in Jesus Christ that allows us to rise above in victory. And then in verse 5, John says, who is it that overcomes the world? Well, he clearly defines who the overcomer is. And he says this, only he or she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, in other words, listen now, has is and will continue to overcome the evil world system and the one behind it. Amen? So the fifth evidence of the new birth is overcoming the world. Say that, overcoming the world. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of the message today is The Witnesses. Say that. Now remember, at, at the time that John is writing his epistle, there were false teachers, namely the Gnostics. Say the Gnostics. And the Gnostics, they denied the humanity and deity of Jesus Christ. And these Gnostics are the ones who had invaded the early church. And so in today's text, John is clarifying to his readers, to us, to us, that we need to make sure that we truly believe in the true Christ. Say true Christ. And this is something that John stresses throughout his epistle, right? that we must believe certain things about Jesus Christ. And here in the text, John shows us the witnesses, listen now, the witnesses that confirm who Jesus is and that confirm our faith in him. And today's text is simply the case for Christ. That's what it is. It's the case for Christ. So two points from the text. If you're ready, say yes. Here we go. Number one, point number one is three that testify. Say that. Write that down, three that testify. Now, there are three historical realities that testify of the fact that Jesus Christ is totally unique as the Son of God. You guys with me? Okay, look at verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and I want to stop there. I want to read this again. Read the beginning of the text again. This says the, come on, say it. This is the, the one, right? The one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now say the one again. The word the is in the what? Definite article, which means that he, Jesus Christ, is the one 
and only object of true saving faith. You guys with me? Say, this is the one and only one. Come on, say that. Who came by water and blood. Now back to the text. This is the one who came by water. Say water. Here in the text, water, here in the text, is referring to Jesus' public baptism. Okay, write that down. Public baptism on the Jordan River by John the Baptist, which inaugurated Jesus' public ministry as recorded in in God's Word in the Synoptic Gospels. Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, I want you to write this down. Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 through 17. Okay, and I'll read it to you. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's John the Baptist. Say John the Baptist. But John, John the Baptist, tried to deter deter him, deter Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so. Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Say, fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, verse 16 of Matthew 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up to the water, he went up out of the water, say Jesus baptized, okay? He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God, say the Spirit of God, descending like a dove, and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven, say a voice from heaven, said, this is my son, right? We know this, right? This is my son, whom I, whom I love, who with, who with him I am well pleased. Now, notice that all three persons of the Godhead converged there at the baptism of Jesus. Right? God the Son was being baptized. God the Spirit descended on Jesus in a form of a Dove, and God the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You guys got it? And I want to say this. Jesus was not baptized. Jesus was not baptized because he was a sinner. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Say that. Fulfill all righteousness. In other words, to do the right thing. To do the right thing and that he would identify himself with those who he came to save. It was a message of the affirmation of John the Baptist when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we have the witness of water, which happened at Jesus' baptism. Again, this was the inauguration, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. If you got it, say got it. The text, go back to the text. This is the one who came by water, we covered that, and blood, say Blood. And here in the text, blood is referring to Jesus' crucifixion. Got it? As he was being crucified, he shed his blood on the cross. His, his shed blood on the cross represents the entirety of his death on behalf of us. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? The blood. Say that. Write that down. The blood. The blood of Christ is the essential element to our relationship with God. Without the shedding of Jesus' blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There is power, say power, there is power in the blood of Jesus to wash away and to forgive all our sin. Amen? Now if you're safe, say amen. It's the blood, as saved 
individuals. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that has set us free. It is, it is his blood that has redeemed us in that he entered the slave market of sin and Satan. And with his shed blood, he paid the price and he bought us to be his own possession. He set us free. Say, he set us free. He set us free from the shackles of sin and Satan, and he set us free from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and ultimately when we go with him in glory from the presence of sin. Listen, we as believers, we have been redeemed. Amen? I want you to write this down in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Write that down. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him, Paul writes this, we have redemption. There's that word, say redemption, through his blood. Got it? The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. There is no salvation, friends, apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, this is Christianity 101, but we need to hear this again. Amen? And we sing that song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And, and, and the song goes to say, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me what? White as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You ought to, you ought to shout and say amen and, and thank you for that, right? Amen? So we have the witness of water, which happened at Jesus' baptism that was the inauguration, the beginning of his public ministry. And we have the witness of blood, which was the consummation, the end of his public ministry. Got it? The water and the blood, get this now, the water and the blood, baptism and crucifixion is the external witness concerning Jesus Christ. It's the external witness. Let's go back to the text. I want to point something out. This is the one who came by water and blood. John said, writes this. Jesus Christ he did not come by water only, but by water and blood. Now, now, why did John repeat the phrase? He said it twice, right? By water and blood. I mean, is he being redundant? No. Okay. The reason why he, he repeats it is to refute the false teachers. Okay. He's making an extremely important theological point. He's stressing the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because they didn't believe in the humanity and deity of Jesus Christ. And here in pointing out the person, the work and person of Jesus Christ is to refute them. If you got it, say got it. Okay, let's, let's read on the text. And it is the spirit, let's continue to read the verse. And it is the spirit, say spirit, who testify, and I love this, because the spirit is the, say it, come on, truth, right, truth. In context, in context, the witness of the Holy Spirit refers to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That as we hear and as we read the truth about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit brings a powerful witness to our soul that this is the very truth of who Jesus is. Amen? This is, the, this is now internal ministry of the Holy Spirit. The water and blood is the external witness concerning Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the e internal, internal witness concerning Jesus Christ. Now I want to prove it to you. John 15, 26. John, the Gospel of John 15, 26. 
when the advocate, who's that? The helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. There it is. Who, who goes out from the Father, he will testify. Say, testify about me. Did you get that? John 16, verses 13 and 14. But when he, the Spirit of truth, there it is again, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Christians, you got to love this. He will not speak on his own. Now, this is what he says, what Jesus says. He, the Spirit, will not speak on his own. He will speak only on what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And this is what Jesus says. He, the Spirit, will glorify me. Did you guys get that? Because it is from me, Jesus says, that he, the Spirit, will receive what he will make known to you. Now, listen closely. Listen closely. The Holy Spirit's job The thing the Holy Spirit delights in is testifying of Jesus and bringing glory to Jesus. His desire, the Spirit's desire is to testify of Jesus and to point people and draw people to Jesus, to glorify Jesus. You guys get that? So I want to point that out. So the water, the blood, and the Spirit are in consistent Listen now, are are all consistent witnesses testifying who Jesus is? It's a threefold, threefold witness concerning the truth about Jesus. It's not like, you know, the Spirit tells us one thing and the water another and the blood says something else. No, 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 no. The water, the blood, and the Spirit are all in agreement, which brings us right into verses 7 and 8. Stay with me now. And what John does now is he ties a rope around what he just said. What he just said. For there are three that testify. Verse 8. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in what? Agreement. Now I want to point something out. Because in the King James, some of you might be reading from the King James or New King James Version. In the King James and the New King James it says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the words, referring to Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one, and, they, and, and there are three that bear witness on earth. Now, I want to point something out to you. The modern translations omit these three witnesses because they are not found in any of the earliest Greek manuscripts. So, so more than likely, they are later they are a later addition, addition made by a scribe and not part of the original text. Now, though the teaching of these added words in the King James and New King James are true, right? They shouldn't be in this context. Got it? If you got to say got it. The accurate translation is, for there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and three are in agreement. So let's go back to the text. For there are three that testify. What John is doing, he's alluding to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, and Deuteronomy chapter 19, chapter 19, verse 15. There it states that a matter could only be verified or confirmed by two or three what? Witnesses. You guys got it? This is repeated in the New Testament. In John chapter 8, verse 17, 
and 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. So, for there are three that testify. Well, there's three, right? Got it? Okay. Then John says the spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in what? Say it. Agreement. Okay. And what John is doing here is he's pulling it all together. All together, what he just said. All these three witnesses, the water, the blood, which are external witnesses, right? And the spirit, which is internal witness, are in agreement. The word agreement means one. O-N-E. Say one. One as opposed to conflicting testimonies. Their witness stands in absolute, complete agreement. They speak with one voice. They testify to the same truth. They're, listen, they're united, say united. They're unified, united, okay? They're united in the testimony concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You guys get it? Amen? So three that testify. Got it? Right? The water, the blood, and the spirit. Okay, so three that testify. Number two, here we go. Point number two is the testimony of God. Say that. The testimony of God. If you're with me, say amen. Verse 9. Verse 9. We accept man's testimony, John's saying, and we do, don't we, at times, right? But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his, say it, son. And John is simply saying, that since we accept human testimony, we should accept divine testimony all the more. Why? Because God's testimony is greater. His testimony is more valuable and to be more firmly dependent on because he can neither deceive nor be deceived. He's God. Amen? And I want to say this. God has given testimony Proof positive about his son at his baptism, at, at, at his transfiguration, his miracles on the cross, through the Spirit, and through the written word. His son is a divine Savior who died for our sins, right? Rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God the Father. All of Christianity, say that is wrapped up in the historical work and person of God's Son, Jesus Christ. You can't get away from that, friends. Amen? I'm your say, say amen. And I want you to get this. John doesn't want us to believe with blind faith. You guys got it? He doesn't want us to believe with blind faith. Instead, our faith, say my faith, is to be based on reliable testimony. Got it? And we have the most reliable testimony possible, and that is the witness of God and his word. So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. Believe God. Say, believe God. Write that down. Listen down. I want you to listen. listen. Please listen. When the teachings of God's word conflict with the teachings of men, we should always believe the testimony of God instead of the testimony of men. God's testimony is superior, right? Secured by what? By the authority of his written word because his word is absolute, inerrant, infallible truth. 
truth. So who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Huh? Who are you going to listen to? God. Verse 10. Anyone who believes in the Son of God. And I want to stop there. Remember, remember, the word believes is not just head knowledge, right? It's not just head knowledge. It's not just agreeing with. It's confidence, trust. It conveys the idea of clinging, right? We know this, right? To trust in, to rely upon, it means to put your full what? Weight. Weight on something. And here it's speaking of a total commitment to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's a committal of one's life to him. It's submitting one's life to him as Lord. It's completely entrusting one's soul, one's life to Jesus. Well, what's the result of that? I'm glad you asked. Let's read on. Has this testimony in his or her heart? Not will have, has. Amen? This refers, get this now, this refers to the inward witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You guys get that? That's the result of believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. This divine witness is then confirmed by the inner experience of the believer. It's the inward witness of God's Holy Spirit in every believer's life. It's the witness of the fact that God has, listen, that God is at work, at work, say at work, in their lives, transforming them, changing them, molding them. If you're safe, say amen. We should daily, if we said amen, should daily be experiencing the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Daily, amen, the way that we live, how we think, how we act, the things that we listen to, the things that we do. Listen, should give, those things should give witness, testimony that God's Spirit dwells, lives, abides in us. We recognize the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Therefore, we should daily testify, say testify, of who Christ really is by the way that you and I live. Huh? The bottom line is this. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's inwardly witness, inwardly, the Holy Spirit inwardly witnesses to the truth of our salvation. Right? Now, I want you to write this down. Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16 Paul says the Spirit, say the Spirit, himself testifies, listen to what he says, with our spirit that we are God's children. Boom, there it is. Amen? Galatians 4, 6 through 7. Galatians 4, 6 through 7. By, by the way, the, the best commentary of the Bible is the Bible. just want to say that. Okay? All right, verses 6 through 7, Galatians, chapter 4, 6 through 7, because you are his sons, daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit, say the spirit, who calls out Abba, Father. You can only call him that if the spirit's in you. Amen? So you are no longer a slave. Say amen. But God's child loved that, and since you are his child, God is also, God has made you also an heir. I guess I'm the only one excited about that, right? Amen? Amen? Let's read on verse 10. Let's continue in verse 10. 
anyone who does not believe. He said, beginning of verse 10, those who believe, right? And he says here, anyone who does not believe God has made him, who does not believe God has made him God uh, to be a what? A liar. Because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And John is straight up here. I love John. I love him, the way he writes. You know, he's straight up and says that when we refuse, accept, and believe God's testimony concerning his son, when we look at all the evidences and witnesses of who Jesus is and then reject them as false, John's saying we are in turn calling God a liar. Huh? And, we, and when, we, when we call God a liar, we call his integrity into question and condemn ourselves. We're condemning ourselves in our unbelief. Charles Spurgeon wrote this concerning this text, verse 10 I just gave you. He says, the great sin of not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is often spoken of very lightly and in a very trifling spirit as though it were scarcely any sin at all. Yet, according to my text, as he's talking about this text, and indeed according to the whole tenor tenor of the scriptures, unbelief is the giving of God the lie. What can be worse? Huh. And sadly, you know, sadly, not, not all who hear the gospel, right, will receive it and believe it, and many will, many will reject it and deny the grace of God, the testimony of God. But those of us who accept and receive God's testimony concerning his son, understand, and we should understand John's point in the last two verses of our text. So follow me, verse 11. And here what John does, and I love this, John now gives the content, say content, of God's testimony in this verse. And, and we cannot separate eternal life from the person of Jesus Christ. Then he writes this, verse 11, and this is the testimony. Say that. Or this is God's testimony or, or the greater testimony. Here it is. God has given us what? Now say, say it loud. Say it. Eternal life. And this life is in, this life, eternal life is in his son. Ready for the lesson? Jesus is the source of eternal life. He is. Amen. To have eternal life is to have the son of God. Eternal life comes exclusively through Jesus Christ. Eternal life, say eternal life is inseparable from Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to the text. And this life, speaking of eternal life, is in his son, right? This life, this kind of life, eternal life, is not found in education. It's not found in philosophy. It's not found in science. It's not found in good works. It's not found in religion. It's not found in pleasure. It's not found in intellectual pursuits. It's not found in Mohammed, Buddha, or Krishna. It's not found in drugs. It's not found in pleasure. It's not found in meditation. It's not found in Eastern mysticism or contacting the dead. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Period. Amen? Period. Verse 12, he who has the Son has what? He who has, not will have, he who has. You guys get that? He who has, not will have, who has the Son has life. I want to stop there. The word has, say has, carries the idea of possession. The present tense 
in the Greek indicates that Christians continually possess eternal life. Write this down, John 5, 24. John 5, 24, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, has, not will have, but has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Okay, has, not will have. It's a present tense. In other words, eternal life for the believer is a present reality and a future certainty. Amen? You see, eternal life comes exclusively from the Son of God at the moment you and I get saved. We receive eternal life as a present possession at the moment that you and I surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. Eternal life, listen now, is simply a matter of having the Son. The Son. And we'll fo- focus more on this in part 15, because next week is Father's Day. Okay? Let's read on. He who does not have the Son of God does not have what? Life. So the flip side is what? Is negative, right? A person who does not have the Son of God does not have, say it, life. And you see, John, what he does, he directs the statement to the Gnostics, the false teachers, and to anyone else, for that matter, who rejects Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And you know, when I think about John, about his no-nonsense approach, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's either black or white. There's no gray, gray here, right? He pulls no punches. When I think about John, about his no-nonsense approach, he would never, say never, approve of modern-day thinking, which says it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference what you believe as long as you're sincere. John says there's no eternal life apart from having Christ personally in your life. And you're right. You could be sincere but sincerely wrong. So it does make a difference, right? What you believe. Who you believe, amen? To not have the Son of God is to not have eternal life. The person who rejects the Son rejects eternal life itself. Now write this down, John 3, 36. We're almost done here. John 3, 36. Whoever believes, say believes. Remember that, remember that, right? Believes. We know what that means already, right? Whoever believes in the Son has, not have, will have, has eternal life. But whoever rejects, say rejects, the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Listen, there is only one source of salvation. It's Jesus Christ. Bottom line. And we either have life in him or we don't. Or we don't. We are either saved or we're lost. There's no middle ground here. Right? You see, our eternal destiny, what it does, it depends on our spiritual condition at death. Those in Jesus Christ, if you're saved, say amen, will enjoy life eternal. Right? Now and then when we go. Amen? And those apart from Jesus Christ must endure eternal death. Choice. To accept Jesus is celebration with 
Jesus for all eternity. To reject Jesus is separation from him for all eternity. It's a choice. It's a choice. You're safe, say amen. So I want to wrap this up here. For those of us that said amen, those of us that are saved, today's text, okay, text should challenge us to bear witness of Jesus Christ in our daily lives. Yeah? You see, it's, it's our personal witness of Jesus Christ that may urge someone to consider the evidence, consider the testimony God presents. Amen? And I want to tell you, if you're saved, we have witnesses who tell us the truth of who Jesus is, right? We just learned it in the text. Well, guess what? So let's be a witness who tell the truth of who Jesus is. Let's all stand, amen? Father, we thank you for your word.